you would, open your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 7. I'm going to primarily be looking at verses 14 through verse 25, but I want to go back and begin reading in verse 1. Excuse me. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband, using this as an example, a woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed, notice that word loosed, from the law of her husband, because he's dead. So when, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, the law said she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, that's all us resting on the fact not that she died, but that her husband died. But if her husband be dead, she is free. She was loosed in verse 2, free in verse 3. She's free from that law so that she is no adulteress, so she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, who satisfied the demands of the law, that you should be married to another, even to him which speaks of Christ, who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered, loosed, Free, we are delivered from the law. Thank goodness. That being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter of the law, the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. We're no longer under that law because the law has been satisfied. And you've heard me say, it's not that he was a mean husband. The law was strict. It was strict. It was do this and live. You know, the problem was we were bad wives. She was bound to that law. We were bound to that law as long as he liveth. But now Christ satisfied that law and he's dead. And we're now married to another. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For the law is the knowledge of sin. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Paul, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking a occasion by the commandment, rolled in me all manners of conspicuousness. For without the law, sin was dead. 
I was alive without the law once. I thought I was alive. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And I, capital I, died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law was holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Was that which was then that which is good, may death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin. You know what he's saying? I didn't really know anything about sin before. But when the law came in its power, in its force, sin didn't die. It revived. It irritated it. It's like a two-headed monster just stuck up its ugly head. And you want to see sin? It irritated it. The law was never given to, to take away sin. Never. That wasn't its purpose. It is to expose sin. Well, how can we that are nothing but sin be reconciled with God? But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me but that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now verse 14 of our text. For we know, he's speaking to the people who knew the law. He's speaking to Jews. He's speaking to his brethren. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Verse 15, for that which I do, I allow not for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. I remember hearing people years ago that I looked up to and thought they knew something and found out later they didn't know anything. They said, this text is talking about a man who's backslid. No, this is talking about a man who's walked with the Lord probably 25 years. This man has learned something. He lived under the law. If anybody knew anything about the law physically, Paul did. But then God told him the spiritual aspect of the law. And he said, I died. I thought I was a good person. To the law came and stripped me. For that which I do, I allow not, but what I would, that do I not. But what I hate is the very thing I do. You know what that is? That's honesty. The things I hate is that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Do you mean a believer still has sin? Well, sure he does. <laughs> For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. The spirit, sin, he said, sin that dwelleth in me and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Your flesh is not good, it's evil. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth within me. 
I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. In this old familiar verse, we quote so many times, O wretched man that I am. He didn't say, O wretched man that I used to be. You mean this is a man who's walked with the Lord for 25 years and he makes a statement like that, O wretched man that I am? Yep. Who shall, here's the word, deliver me from the body of this death? And then he answers that question. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind I, ser- I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. <clears throat> Paul is here talking about a struggle, a struggle with sin. Sin that dwells in our members. The Apostle Paul, he wrote, you've heard me say, half of the New Testament, 14 books. But it did not make him any more righteous or any more holier than the least saint in the family of God. He was just like us. And you know, don't you love to hear somebody just being honest? Linda told me that she enjoyed that article in the bulletin by Joe Terrell. And you know what? And I just told her, I said he was just honest. Just honest. This is, this is, this is how it is. We, we, our desire is not to sin ever again. I wish we never, ever sinned again. But we just will. We're not making light of sin. But we don't deny the fact that in our flesh, in our old nature, we still have dwelleth no good thing. Nothing. Paul had come through many battles and many warfares, but his worst struggle was with himself. You're looking at our worst enemy. Our worst enemy. A believer... Now listen to me, a believer is a person with two distinct opposite natures. You see it perfectly in Jacob and Esau. The old man, or the, the one that's born first, is always rejected. The firstborn, he, he, he bypassed Esau, I mean Esau, and chose Jacob. Esau's a picture of your old man. What did he do? He did what he wanted to do. When Jacob met him one day and Esau said, I have enough. But what Esau said and then Jacob said, I have enough, was two different words. Esau had enough of the wine, I've got enough. And Jacob said, if I have the Lord and the Lord has me, I have enough. But there we see those distinct natures, two distinct opposing wills. He makes us willing. And without him making us willing, we'll never be willing. We'll never... And until he makes us willing, we'll never confess our sin. But how to perform that which is evil, good, I find not. So let's first look at the old man. Before salvation, before God came and gave you life, 
there was just one man, the old man, the old nature, and the old man is always rejected. You see it in Cain and Abel. Cain brought his works. He was rejected. Esau sold his birthright, right, made light of it, sold it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What I want you to see is that which is born of the flesh will never improve. He's not getting better. He's he just getting older. I see people as they get older, and, you know, it concerns me. I see that I'm, if unless something happens, their days are few. But they don't get, most of them apart from grace that I know, don't get any meeker. They don't get any humbler. They just get, just get meaner. They're the same person, just in an older body. An older body. Age doesn't change them. The flesh is sin. <clears throat> Evil that dwelleth in me. He comes forth from the womb, speaking lies. I want you to listen to this. I thought this was a good statement. I can't remember who I got it from. Deliverance from the law in Christ is not only necessary for justification and sanctification. Justification is when God in his mercy in the new birth declares you justified in his sight. But then he does make us holy. We do grow in grace. Now, we're not preaching progressive sanctification that we're getting better, but we do grow in grace. Anything that is alive grows. Men cannot be justified by the law in their natural state. It's an impossibility. And they cannot be sanctified by the law in a regenerated state. Even since you're born again, you can't change or sanctify or make holy that old nature. God help us to learn that. Because the old man will deceive us into thinking, well, I can improve. I'll get better. Just, just, just give me a little while. I'll get I won't, I, won't, I won't aggravate you that much. When Ishmael was the only child in Abraham's house, and Ishmael, we know, was a product of the flesh, was a product of Abraham and Hagar, the handmaid, the slave, he was probably about 13 years old. And you imagine a 13-year-old. You've seen a few. I've been 13. We think we know everything. We think we're boss. Oh, and I've had the rule of the house for 13 years. And my daddy's Abraham, great, great Abraham. What about your mama? Oh, she's Hagar. We won't worry about that. That doesn't matter. And God said, Abraham, I promised you a son through Sarah who can't have a child. Well, how is she going to be able to have a child? It's a miracle of grace. God allows this woman, nine years old, to conceive and have a child. You know what this is? This is a picture of the new birth. This is a picture of the new man that was not the product of the flesh. It's a product of God giving us life. But you know what happens now? There's not peace in the house anymore. Ishmael can't stand Isaac. Ishmael's a picture of your old man who was born first, 
who's nothing more than a product of the flesh, and all he'll ever be is flesh, but he can't stand. Don't you get this? He can't stand the new man. He can't stand it. And it was so bad that, that Sarah said, she went and told Abraham, they've got to go. It says in Galatians, they cannot abide in the same house. There'll never be peace. But there was peace as long as it just dies, Ishmael. But when the new man's there, that's when the trouble starts. <laughs> I don't mean that as funny, but you're just an old man. And God gives you life. He puts life in you. And that old man says, I can't stand it. I'm smarter. I've been around longer. He, he, I'm, I'm going to torment him the rest of his life. And that's what he does. That's what he does. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. <clears throat> the old man is not just some relic of the old nature. You know how it's described? It's described as a, a body with members. It's described, the old man has eyes, he sees. Now, he sees wrong, but he sees. The old man has ears. He hears, but he hears wrong. He has a will, but his will is bound. He has all those things. He has a body. And you know, when you sin, you know who sins? You do. You do. Now, when you do righteous, who does righteous? You do, if you're his child. Because that new nature cannot sin. Now, you look at the opposites. You have one here who cannot sin and another one who can do nothing but sin. Do you think they're going to ever get along? Never. They're opposites. One believes in works. One believes in grace. One knows that they're the product of God's saving grace. The other one says, well, I'm the product of the flesh, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I love to be bragged on. I love to be told how special I am. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. I sin, but I'm just, I'm not as bad as some people are. <clears throat> The old man is like someone living in a house. <clears throat> Lord gave a parable one day. He said that uh, that evil spirit had left the house for a little while. and They swept the house and put up a few pictures and reformed a little bit. That's a picture of a person making a decision. But you know what that evil spirit did? He went and got seven spirits more wicked than himself and come back to that same house. And there's nobody stopping him from coming into that house, and he abides in that house. And now the worst state, the last state's worse than the beginning. You say, how is it worse? Well, now he's trusting in a decision. Now he thinks he's righteous in God's sight when he's not. And the last state is worse than the beginning. And someone described it, it's like a house in the Old Testament. It said if you went in there, if the house was filled with leprosy, there's not a nook or a cranny where leprosy's not there. That's a picture of us. The whole house is defiled. Apart from grace, you can't have a good thought. Your best deeds are sin. Now the new man. <clears throat> This is where so many miss it. They don't. They don't understand. They just. They just don't understand God. They don't understand who He is, and they don't understand themselves. 
In regeneration, God does not improve the old man or dress him up. He creates a new man that has never been there before. And that's when the struggle starts. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And we are partakers. We are partakers of the divine nature. Now, we're not little gods, but we do have. It is a nature. It's not of the flesh. It's divine. Oh, a mystery of grace that God would come into your heart and he sets up rule and reign in your heart. And now he makes you willing to want to serve him. And the very things you would like to do is the things you don't do. Whosoever, here it is, remember this verse, 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. He can't. He's holy. He's that pure heart. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. You know, it can't be any plainer than that, and I never heard that verse preached or quoted while I was in religion. Never. I remember the first time I heard it, somebody preached on it. I was almost shocked. But that how can that be? He cannot sin. That's the struggle. And then you got the old man in there, Brady, who can do nothing but sin. The new nature has no tendency towards sin. No appetite for sin. It's not tainted by sin. All of its appetites are heavenly. All of its thoughts are holy. All of his desires are toward Christ. When the Holy Spirit has come, he will point you to Christ. He will take the things of Christ and show them unto you. The new nature many times may seem to be weak, seem to struggle for existence, but he's always there, and he will reign, and he does reign. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under the law. You're under grace. It's not you keeping the law that God gave you a new nature. It's because he kept the law that he gave you a new nature. The new nature and the old are always at odds. That's pretty plain, but they can't stand each other. They can't stand being in the same house. They're never going to get along. You can't make them get along. There's no making peace. There's none. Your flesh is a real enemy. Paul said, I disciplined my flesh, my mind, and my body and bring it into subjection to the Spirit of Christ. He said, I subdue this flesh with its desires and infirmities while preaching the gospel to others that I myself should fail the test and prove to be a castaway. You know what the word castaway means? That I prove to be a reprobate. I bring my body 
under subjection. That's when I preached to others. In the end, I proved to have not known anything and to be a castaway and proved to just be an old reprobate that God just left alone. You know what? He knew something of himself just a little bit. I don't want to be a castaway. I, I, don't, I don't want to be somebody that, that claimed to believe in God all my life and wind up in the end and discover that I was a reprobate. A reprobate. That was Paul. He, I bring it under subjection. This old body, this old flesh. You think about this. He was getting ready to leave Ephesus and go to Jerusalem. It's going to be the last time he's going to see these people. He loved them and they loved him. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me. They may kill me in Jerusalem, but it doesn't matter. Now, our old fleshy nature would draw back. Now, I said, you know, no one, none of us want to suffer, especially none of us would want to, you know, just be, be a martyr. But he said, none of those things move me because I don't count my life dear unto myself. It's not about me. It's not about the old man. It's about Christ and his glory. Where there is warfare in the heart, it's because of sin. And God is present, and Christ is present. That's why, like I said, Jacob and Esau and Ishmael. Do you know it says that Jacob and Esau struggled in their mother's womb? She said, why am I thus? And when the Lord brings you under conviction, you'll say, why am I this way? Why, why this struggle? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And, you know, some believe that Abraham's still living. So she goes to inquire of Abraham. Why am I this way? And you know what God told her? Two nations are in your womb. One is greater, one is younger. And he called them by name in Romans 9. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. And some people believe, well, he's just talking about literal nations. No, he's talking about Nations. He's talking about the nation of Israel, which comes to Jacob. But they struggled. Struggled. And I love that where it says Esau come out first. He's reading Harry all over. And Jacob reaches out and grabs him by the heel. You know what he wants? He's wanting the birthright. <laughs> He's wanting the blessing. And you know what? He got it. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And Jacob did. He got the blessing and the birthright, and Esau made light of it. That's men. We make light of it. It ain't no big deal. You would sell your birthright, and he knew what that birthright represented. Jacob did. It was a picture of Christ. You'll sell Christ for a, a bowl of soup. Yeah, that's what he thought of it, but not Jacob. Jacob, I see him in her fixing it, said, he'll come in here in a little bit and he'll be hungry. He said, would you like to have a bowl of beans or soup? Or yeah, yeah. He said, well, give me a birthright. <laughs> My birthright. He said, well, what does that matter to me? I'm almost at the point of dying. Here, you can have it. It ain't worth nothing. Oh, it was worth something. Paul had fought a long time. And he would not lay down the sword. And Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am. 
John Newton knew something about that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Has saved a wretch. Like me, he says, too strong a language. You, you, can't use too, you can't use strong enough language to describe who we are. He's not saying I'm improving. He is ungodly, unholy, and rebellious. And only grace can enable you to see who you really and truly are. The word wretched means one exhausted from the battle in a constant, constant struggle. And Paul asked the question. He didn't say, who can deliver me? He said, who shall deliver me? From the body of this death. Some of you have heard me use this illustration, and this is an illustration that Paul used. These people would know what he was talking about. It was the custom of, of ancient men that ruled that when they wished to put men to some fearful punishment, the way that they would punish a man would be take a dead body and tie that dead body to the back of that man. Put his arms here and his arms here and tie his waist back. And everywhere he goes, he's carrying an old dead body, decay rotting body, putrefying body. Hawker went a little farther. Hawker said they didn't put him on the back, they put him on the front. His face is right in front of you. When you smell, when you breathe in, all you breathe in is death. That's settled. Who can deliver me from the body of this death? That's our old man. He's dead. He's putrefied. He's, he's rotten. I can't deliver myself. Who can deliver me from the body of this death? The only thing is our corruption's not from without. Our corruption's from within. From within. About the time you th- you think, we think, we, we get a little bit fooled, and we think we got him under subject, oh, he'll stick up his ugly head. You know, you know one, of the, one of the biggest things our flesh can do, he can pretend. He can play act. He's, a, he's an actor. He's a hypocrite. He says, I, I can improve, Jacob. Just give me a little bit. I'll be okay. I won't, I won't bother you anymore. Just leave me alone. We'll be okay. We can, we can work this out. Can we not come to a truce? <sighs> Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There comes a voice from the law. I cannot and I will not. There comes a voice from the conscience. I can make thee see the battle, but I can't help you in the battle. Then there comes a voice from the old human nature, and he says, Ah, none can deliver thee. I will yet destroy you, and thou shalt fall by the hands of thine enemy. Basically saying the house of David will be destroyed, and Saul will reign forever. That's what the flesh says. And then the poor soldier cries again, Who shall deliver me? 
You know, it says in Micah chapter 7, verse 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto you. He's going to bow one day, because one day he's going to fall off. He's a, he's a liar. He's a cheat. The old Adam nature cannot, don't forget this, cannot be improved. No matter what people say and no matter what they think, he's never improving. It can't be made better. You may do what you pl- can do what you please with it. You may try to educate him. You may try to instruct him, but you're not going to change him. Well, who's our deliverer? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, it says the old man serves the new man. What does that mean? Why did God leave your old man? Now, if God had wanted to, if he had wanted to the day that he regenerated you and gave your life, he could have totally eradicated the old nature, but he didn't. Did you know that Esau served Jacob? Now, it seems the way we look at it, it was just the opposite. It seems like Jacob served Esau. Oh, no. All, the, all this world has served God's purpose. You know, all this world is is just a scaffolding around the building. They're, they're working some down here at the hospital. You know, they got scaffolding just up everywhere. Everywhere they got scaffolding. What's that scaffolding used for? Build that building. And one day they're going to take the scaffolding down because they won't need it anymore. And everything in this world is just scaffolding to build his church. And it don't work against us. It works for us. King Saul did not work against David. It may seem to, but it worked for his good. And that old man works for God's glory and your good. You know what? To humble you. Because if he didn't, we become so proud. And we have a righteousness, thank God, that we can't lose because if we could lose it, we would lose it in a heartbeat. In Christ, we have the victory. We are more than conquerors on over in chapter 8 through him that loved us. No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. Christ our Lord will one day deliver us from the very presence of sin. Listen, turn over to chapter 8, verse 23. Chapter 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What are we waiting for? The redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, but what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should even pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us which groanings which can't even be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things. Does that mean the old man? That's part of a thing? That all things 
work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everything. You mean everything? Yep. You mean everything? It seems like this world has gone stark, raving, mad. But I can tell you this. They all serve our God. He's sovereign and he's on the throne and it's working for the good of his people and the salvation of his children. He's going to save his people. And one day, we're going to drop off this old man and we're going to put on a new man. A new man. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. O wretched man, that I am who shall deliver me or release me and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death. How will he deliver us? How did he deliver us? Well, if you'll look over in chapter 8, verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? To think that God would be for me, that God would choose me, choose you before the world was ever made, and it's never been against you. It's always been for you. If God be for me. He said, that's mine, that's my child. If God be for me, who can be against me? And he says, he that spared not his own son, but he did what? He delivered him up for us all. That's how we're delivered. He was delivered up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justified. Who is he that can condemn with this Christ that died? Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. That's how we're delivered. Deliver him from going down into the pit. I found a ransom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 9 and 10. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. Now listen to this verse. Who delivered us from so great a death. If you just only knew what God delivered you from. Who delivered you from so great a death. And he, that's past tense, and he doth deliver us. He's delivering us right now. Right now. God deliver me from myself as I try to preach. God deliver me. He does deliver us. And he in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He is our who shall deliver me. It is Christ the Lord. Because I sure can't deliver myself. and I, I don't know, you may not be like this, but every time I think I've really, I've really messed that up. And I know whose fault it is. I can't blame nobody else. It's me. It's Mike. That's old man. Old man Mike. Yeah, he ain't getting no better. He, he's, he's always been this mean. 
Like the other day, I told you that story. I felt bad even telling you about me slapping that little girl. I thought, man, they're going to think I'm awful. Well, you thought right. <laughs> and he's still there. That little boy, he's still there. He's still in there. He ain't, he's not got any better, any prettier. He, one bit, he ain't got the least bit better. But thank God he showed me mercy and gave me Christ, the new man. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Nobody. It's God that justified. It's Christ that died. He delivered his people. You know why? God delivered him up. You know what? He satisfied the law. And when he died, I died. And that's deliverance. And one day we look with blessed hope. He's going to come back to get his children. And he's going to deliver us from the very 